Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Danny Lopez, CEO of Glasswall, a cybersecurity company specialising in protection against file-based threats. Danny opens up to tell us all about the current state of cybersecurity. From the types of attacks seen today to the methods of protection needed and the importance of a company's public transparency about incidents. We discuss cases in point and how Glasswall's approach to protection is all about focusing on the good data, not the bad. As the sophistication of cyber war grows, so do the measures to deal with it, both online and in the real world. Welcome to Reforming Cybersecurity. So basically, rather than try and find, yeah, try and find the needle in the haystack, you just say, fuck, fuck the haystack, we'll give worry. you a exactly. new haystack. Don't worry about it at all. So, right. you know, it's just a you have a file and we make sure that we recognize. I mean, the key is to recognize exactly what that file is because you might get a PDF that somebody disguises as a Word doc. There's very clever ways of doing that. So we make sure we understand the file. Yeah when it was created, and we rebuild it straight away based on what we know is good about it, and bang. We basically find stuff that antivirus technology cannot find. Oh, because you'll find it it when you rebuild it. Well, if you think about it, the the bad actors are putting stuff in, and they're very, very good, and they're very, very clever. They're very good at what they do. So the antivirus technology is always looking for stuff that already exists. Yeah, okay. The whole point of this is that the bad actors are putting stuff that doesn't exist. This yeah. is what the whole zero trust world is all about. You know, this is basically zero, zero day vulnerability. Man. So this is stuff that's it's bad and it's never appeared before. Nobody's ever recognized it. So if it's never appeared before and it's never been recognized, how is antivirus technology going to find it? It's not. And so what you find Clever. is that there is a delta of, you know, three, five, seven, ten days from the moment that the malicious attack first happens to when the wider community recognizes that as something bad. Because what happened is that the moment the cyber community picks something up, we all talk to each other, it gets catalogued, it gets given a name, and then every company gets told, this is a new piece of malicious code, make sure that you have a software solution that can take care of it. But that could take seven days, that could take eight days. I'm amazed it's that quick. Is yeah. it really that quick? Yeah, it should be a question of days. But a day is a, a, long, had time. a long time. You know, or, If you happen or, to be the unlucky one, then you know, you're on your knees. Or if I'm trying to do something bad, I just know I have to write something new. And then it will be good for my first attacks. Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. When you clean up the file, do you find out whether it was dodgy? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, absolutely. You know where it was. Yeah, look, sometimes we'll take stuff out that's, you know, it's good that we cleaned it, but it wouldn't have done anything terrible to the organization. But others will basically take something out and will say, wow, had you opened this, you would have been in serious trouble. Because a lot of that's that's true that a lot of viruses are just like, it's a bit like a bad bits of genetic code, just sort of, bits that end up hanging around, bad hackers, like they're not all good, not all viruses work, there's, there's bits that just get laid around, is that right? Yeah, or? but but you know, so many of these attacks come through attachments, you know, like 80% of cyber attacks that come into companies in this country will come in through either a Word, Excel or a PDF. You know, it could be an invoice, it could be a purchase order, it could be, and you just open it up and bang, it just happens to unleash I mean, one of the big savers, I think, is that, um, and they'll work out how to fix this at some point, but it's actually quite hard to pretend to write like someone else. So, that, you know, the funny thing is often you spot them as it's just like, you know, I know how my sister writes. I, I, know, I know how someone writes, even then if I don't know them that well. You know, it's like a signature yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, but if the organizer, I mean, you know, 
they they're getting more. I'm just saying that yeah. things get, a lot of the time, they, everything else is perfect, but you just read the message and you're mm. just like, that's not how they speak, you mm. know? And it's, a, it's enough sometimes. But, but even if, you know, for every 100 that come through where you think that, if one happens to come oh. through and, you know, that's it. And that's what they want, right? I mean, it's not like hackers, sorry, it's not like the, um, the bad actors think that every single time they try, they're going to get through. But if a hit rate is one in a hundred or one in a thousand, yeah, that's good enough. We've we've been hacked. People can't admit to it. They're too scared to admit it. We were properly hacked, locked up, Bitcoin threatened, but we rebuilt everything. It took us like two days. Like we were lucky the timing, I think it happened on a Friday or something like that. And actually in our business, you would think, yeah, there's a lot of private information, you know, in terms of, uh, but none of it's really valuable to anyone in reality, you know. And then the also the reality is the, the only really time critical thing we do possibly doing a deal but it's payroll like if accounts are late you pay a fine sort of thing but I think you know I'm admitting to that because I think the truth is I know most of my clients have been hacked most people I know have been hacked and and you know threatened and they've paid a bribe or they haven't is that is that supported statistically? Yeah and I think it's really it's funny to say that because I think it's really important that you admit to these sorts of things because it's the only way the entire industry is honest yeah, because if you try and pretend and say you know we're unhackable, well, a that's not true, um, and b actually your clients in a way you know they want to know if something happened, be transparent and say as you just said this happened on a Friday and this is what we did, and actually what we find more and more is that you can you end up you know digital trust is this amazing concept which is around you know are you okay with doing business with a certain organization? Do you trust their digital capability? Do you trust the technology? Do you trust their processes? Do you trust their people? Proof. Well, nothing's for exactly. So, so actually, part of the digital trust is like a relationship, right? I mean, you, know, you trust your best friend with a secret because you just know they wouldn't tell anyone. And if they do, well, you know, he or she is no longer your best friend. Yeah. But you know, it's the same with a government website or a bank. You know, do you trust them? And how do you build that relationship? Because at some point, something's going to happen. So if the bank gets hacked, I want my bank to say, this is what happened. You're affected or you're not affected. But more importantly, this is what we did. This is what we learned. It's the rectification. And, it's, you know, it's... next time that won't happen. And if something else happens, then we'll learn again. I think I like that as a theory, but I think when I hear about the big, I think the way the big scandals come out in the press and where they're thrown around, they do enormous damage to these brands. You know, when people, whoever... I mean, British Airways definitely got hacked when they cancelled my flight the other day, but they claim not. But whoever, you know, I I think your your attitude is right, but I'm not sure in practice what the, I, it's a bit like. Um, I'll give a ridiculous example, but when it, you know the law is currently, if you get accused of pedophilia, that it has to go public and it destroys people. It's like it's it's that's a very extreme example. But saying you got hacked, even if you know you dealt with it really well and everything, do you think yeah, people no, overcome? Yeah, but it is because. Um, I don't know if you remember the uh, SolarWinds case, which was it's basically a software company in the US, year, year and a half ago. And, you know, properly from Russia, some malicious code was put into their software and it was just waiting there and sort of ready to become really nasty whenever that company decided to essentially provide an update to all of their clients. A few months down the line, they did. And what was it? Twenty U.S. government agencies got hacked. Yeah, Ten of the yeah, biggest companies yeah. in the world. It was. It this was when they shut the grid down. It was huge. Of, it was yeah. absolutely huge. Well, actually, that started because one of the um, companies that was hacked is, uh, is actually a cyber software company called FireEye, and they initially thought that they were the ones that were the problem. So they put their hands up immediately and said, 
I have to share with the rest of the world and all of our clients that we've been hacked. We've got a problem. We're going to start, we're going to try and see what you know how we fix this. Actually, it wasn't them. It was basically SolarWinds, a supplier. But it was thanks to FireEye that everything else came out. They were okay. able to figure out, well, you know, where did it start? What do we do to solve it? You know, and had they not put their hand up, that would have been we, an issue for months I, and months. I'm with Danny. We've got to go with honesty. You've we've, got to. we've got to all start getting it out, talking well, about I'm not, it. I'm not arguing we shouldn't go with honesty, but I'm not arguing that it's okay for well, the company. It's, no, it's, of course so it's not. Of the, it's of the benefit. It's actually, it's a ridiculous one, but it's similar. It's like, okay, if you, if you bring it out into the public, more people come forward and we get more clarity over something. We get more information anyway. But from a brand point of view, I don't blame well, you're brands bothered for about the backlash. No, I'm just imagining being the brand and how much it damages I don't, I don't you. Know, but, but you know, let me it's go back to that. It's almost like you'd like to tell everyone without telling everyone. Can't you like tell the cybersecurity com- community and you know? But I look, know. you know, FireEye in that case, they went. You know, day one, they were you know annihilated in the press. How can this amazing company be hacked? Day two, they were the heroes because actually it turned out it wasn't even them, but they were able to sort of sort the whole thing out. SolarWinds, who were actually the ones who were responsible. Yeah, I'm sure some things, you know, it was just bad luck. But then you start digging and, you know, one of their servers, the main servers where they were uploading all this information had a password. What was the password? Remember the company was called SolarWinds. SolarWinds 1. SolarWinds 1, 2, 3. 1, 2, 3. Well, you know, that's going to be an issue, right? I mean, how are you going to trust that going forward? So that's yeah. a breakdown in trust. and that, So I think, again, you know, you just, it depends how the story is told. And Yeah, if you've got nothing you've to hide, you've got nothing to hide, I guess. Yeah. If you if you've got bad practices and stuff, because everybody's everybody's getting hacked. I mean, this is the, that is the. Key Do you see thing, it yeah. as because the, they some people say the Third World War already began ages ago? Like, if you look at what's going on in cybersecurity, do you do you sort of buy into that kind of rhetoric that it's you know the the, the new war is a cyber war and that's I think it's it an additional layer. You know, we've basically got land, you know, sea, air, cyber. I mean, it's just it's become you know the fourth kind of dimension. You know, I thought of theater it like attack. That. That you know, sort of space. That's essentially what it is. It's not like it's taken over. It's just become a new, you know, kind of war theater. And because this, you know, the arguments that really, you know, if you wanted, you can just shut down someone's energy systems or whatever, you know. Yeah, but it, but the thing is, then is this is when it gets complicated. Right? I mean, this is probably why we haven't seen major attacks over the last couple of months. Because again, another. Huge cyber attack was in 2017. They were called the NotPetya accounts, and they were the ones, if you remember, that ended up hitting the NHS here and you know a number of large institutions. That was an attack that um, likely state-sponsored from Russia was actually targeted only to organisations in the Ukraine, and that's it was supposed to only hit Ukraine 2017. Wow! But it just spread but like any virus. The spillover now in this digital world is massive. And it went from, you know, let me hit 10 banks in Ukraine to NHS, a whole bunch of organizations in the US, etc. And if you do that again, and you basically bring a country to, you know, kind of to its knees, it's sort of a declaration of war. That backs the come clean argument because we might trace it that, you know, the government might want need to know this is an attack from another country, you know, a state-sponsored attack, which is the bit that sort of, you know, becomes so sort of... Um, I don't know how much is state-sponsored these days and how much is private, clever people hacking each other because there's a much more of a sport and an ethic sort of on amongst thieves, amongst, it seems, the cyber community because they're all attacking Russia at the moment. Like, all of them have sort of gunked together and said, let's get Russia, you know? I mean, it's a really, it's a really tricky one because, you know, 
and they call it ethical hacking, but you know, hacking is hacking, and you know, compromising data and breaking down digital barriers and all of that. You know, that's it's not good, um, whichever way you look at it. But um, but yeah, you know, what you have seen is a sort of certain sense of wanting to fight back. We've seen that over the last few weeks. We saw that yesterday, actually, um, and I think we'll see more and more of that. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. The whole thing plays my mind. You've got to bear in mind, I, I acted for like the original hackers and like the early days. And I used to employ like the gurus of how to do stuff. And we have a number of clients that are super funny hackers. to see them now. Mm. I mean, the thing is in the original days, you know, like, you were tapping people's phone line. You know, the technology mm. now that you're then getting into. But historically, it was so straightforward in terms of, you know, a bug in a room and, a you know, you needed their bank statement, typically pay someone to break into the house rather than break into the bank. It was far easier and, you know, intercept their mail, redirect post. You know, now the sophistication. I think what blew my mind, like when we got done and other clients have got done, and we've had a number of clients, one that, you know, they're now replicating inboxes, as you know, you know, they follow companies for a year, work out what they're all up to and then launch um, all kinds of things. I think what blew my mind is just the level and number of attacks now that it's inevitable. Yeah. I think your comment about it being the fourth space, like, oh no, that makes a lot of sense. Like it is. But look how accessible it's become from your example before you had to break into someone's house and put a camera there. That is not easy shit to do and get away Nor with it without, without my wife noticing something. So, so, you know, now I can get more than that. I can get video, I can get motion, I can get GPS, all if I just get to your phone. And now our, our Israeli firm, which is, you know, very famously got an, a software that you open a text message and that's it, they got your phone. Um, so yeah, the volume is just insane now, you know. So wait, your what's the twenty percent you don't plug then? You what do you you have, so you will you will clean the files? What are the other twenty percent of attacks then? Well, that could be network related. You know, it could be you know, there's so much. If you think about the various attack vectors that an organization has, it could be all sorts of you know, databases, server attacks, all those sorts of things. But the point of saying 80% is it's the easiest, right? I mean, what does everybody do every day? You just go to your email, you go to your inbox, and you double-click on an attachment, and you don't think about it. Yeah. And nor should you. I mean, that's the other really interesting issue is loads of people will say, well, you've got to train your staff to make sure that, you know, if they think that an attachment could be dodgy, yes. then they shouldn't open it. Like, that's impossible, right? I mean, if you think about, I don't know, a doctor 
a doctor has got limited time. They've got to see their patients. You don't want them spending you know, 40 minutes of their time every day deciding whether they open an attachment or not. No. You know, that's not their job. The, the thing is, often you can't tell anyway until you you've tell. bloody yeah. opened it anyhow. Yeah. Then yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, too yeah. late. And then so. if they have opened something that's bad, it's not their fault and you can't blame them. And that's the other thing that's really important from a culture perspective. You know, people, even if they think that something might be dodgy, they don't put their hands up because they think they might be fired. So then you've got this very counterproductive culture where you just think, I think I'm okay, but if I'm not, I'm not telling anybody. And if you don't tell anybody, well, you know, that's potentially deadly for a company because hours could go by. So where, where did the software originally come from? Who developed it? Where, where did the business begin? Yeah, so, so UK-based um, engineering. And um, this very, you know, what I've described is essentially called content disarm and reconstruction, which if you think about it, is exactly what, what, it, does. what it does. On the tin, I like yeah, that! CDR. I understand it! And um, there are, we are the only UK company that does that. There are four or five in Israel, a couple in Asia, two or three in the States. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to Danny Lopez for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and find us on socials at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.